0: On radio, streaming live on investtalk.com, and for our podcast subscribers, this is InvestTalk, above average investing for the average investor. InvestTalk is made possible by KPP Financial, a registered investment advisor firm serving clients throughout the United States. And now, KPP Financial President, Financial Advisor, Steve Peasley you're listening to an encore presentation of invest talk please call with your questions and comments though 888-99-CHART 888-99-CHART and steve will answer them on the
1: next invest talk welcome to invest talk above average investing for the average investor we try to bring you useful information and answer any questions you might have as long as they're financial let's go to tom in san francisco how you doing tom I'm good. How are you? I'm doing great. I thank you for your call. I would like to um, ask about long-short
2: equity funds. I've heard a little about that lately.
1: For everybody else, what uh, Tom is asking about is a mutual fund that goes long and a mutual fund that goes short, right? Yes. Okay. So you're talking about a fund that goes short and long. Yes. There's not too many of them out there, but I kind of like them. Because you're giving the manager a lot of flexibility. So if something disastrous happens, he can play the market on the downside. You're buying a mutual fund, which is allowing the mutual fund manager to short the market. And for everybody else, shorting the market means that that you make money if the market goes down. You make money if that particular stock goes down, that you're shorting. Long means you make money when the stock price goes up. So if you have a short, long mutual fund, you're letting that guy decide whether he wants to be long, short, or both. And if he's both, he's straddling the market. He's not sure what direction he's going. You know, the market's going to go. So you can short really bad stocks and go long really good stocks, and you can make money both ways. But generally, I'll say this. Generally, the market, if it goes in a particular direction, if it's going up, the shorts don't work and the longs work. If it's going down, the shorts work and the longs don't, generally speaking. Tom, there's really not much difference in their management fees and so on and so forth. It's pretty much the same. Also, usually on these long-short funds, you're allowing them to go to cash when they want to. In general, then, are these more risky because they are got shorts in them? They would be considered more risky, Tom. I don't consider them more risky, but the SEC does consider them more risky because shorting the market is more risky. Why is it more risky? Because if you short a stock... To get out of a short is the act of buying, and if the stock goes up that you're shorting, it can go up forever, and you can lose infinite amounts of money. (laughs) That's why they consider it more risky. Now, of course, one manager in his right mind will let it do that, but still, that's the possibility. And if you go long, the most you can lose is all your money, go down to zero. So it's less risky. To me, that's kind of a silly argument, but the SEC considers them more risky, Tom. In fact, I think if you did the statistics, I think you'd find they're less risky, but they're considered more risky by most people. All right, thank you very much. Thanks for the call, Tom. Let's talk to Santa in uh, San Diego. How you doing, Santa?
3: Santa. Fine, thank you. How are you?
1: Good, thanks for calling, I appreciate it.
3: My pleasure, but uh, thank you for having me on your show. But I wanted uh, to ask you about uh, children. uh, I have my 18-year-old daughter, she's very ambitious. And she saved some money and all that. And we went to open an account at the bank. And I wanted to see what your opinion is on, like, to make the best. I know it's very little uh, interest or little profit they can make out of their little income. But just the beginning, what would be the best route to take?
1: Okay. Well, she's so young. Did Mm -hmm. she have any earnings last year or this year? Did she work? Uh, This year. Okay. So are you going to open up an IRA for her? Is that what you were thinking?
3: Well, I don't know, to be honest. We just opened a little uh, okay. checking
1: account and okay. the bank and applied for a credit card. Okay, so uh, the money that you put in the market, Zana, is money that you don't plan on really touching for a long time. So don't, That's
4: fine. So if it's she's
1: doing that, then she should put it in uh, uh, like any kind of account, a discount account, like E-Trade or, or Scott Trade, those kind of accounts. Open up an account in her name. Uh, And then she could buy something like um, the S&P 500, which is you can buy all 500 companies with one, one, one position called the SPY, it's an ETF, and you can buy it and just hold it and she can ride the market in that. And you can do that with very little money and very little cost. Okay, so you do trust the scar trade because we have an office right next to where I work? Yes, they're SIPC insured, SIPC insured, up to $500,000. So, yeah, Mm -hmm. she will never have to worry. They're the custodian. She'll never have to worry about her money, someone trying to steal it. All right. Let me tell you who'd steal money. It's people that uh, manage other people's money that they do not have SIPC insured. Mm -hmm. So never, ever give your money to somebody who's not SIPC insured.
3: S-I-P-C?
1: S-I-P-C.
3: Sounds great. Thank you so much. Thanks for the call, Sana. Thank you very much. All right. Have a good day.
1: You can call right now. Be part of the program. Let's hear about what your talking point is. 888-99-CHART, 888-992-4278, and you can get through right now.
0: To an encore presentation of Invest Talk. Please call with your questions and comments though, 888 99Chart, 888 99Chart, and Steve will answer them on the next Invest Talk.
3: Hey, Steve and Justin. I got a question that probably some other people dealing with. I got a Chinese stock on my TD Ameritrade account. It went to zero or shows zero. Still have the shares there. But I called them and they said. Uh, uh, if I transfer them to an out-of-country brokerage, I might be able to, to trade them. Um, do you know of an out-of-country brokerage that someone can trust? Or do you think that that executive order would get reversed? You just ought to hang on and wait, see what happens there. Thanks a lot for any information. Love the show. Bye.
1: So he's referring to Chinese stocks that were delisted, delisted from our exchanges by President Trump. Uh, and so when they get delisted, doesn't mean the company's gone bankrupt. It just means that you can't trade them on our exchanges. If you have a large enough custodian that will have like Goldman Sachs and JP Morgan, they'll have foreign branches, and you could probably sell it through that company. So give them a call. Find out. And I wouldn't sell it just – I wouldn't get rid of it just because they're delisted. And I think they might get relisted at some point. With a new president, and let's go to Sin or Sai in Oceanside. How you doing, Sai?
3: How you doing, sir? Good. Um, I'm a beginning investor. Okay. (laughs) I have a question about OCT. uh, Are they stock, or uh, if you if you buy it, are they easy to sell? Or because they're cheap, so what's OCT?
1: What, over-the-counter? Over counter tray, right? Oh, these are, you're talking about pink sheet stocks. They call them pink oh, sheets. Oh, okay. Um, over-the-counter, it's called also pink sheets. And the it reason happens. why they call them pink sheets is because the way people file them, they are on pink paper. Uh, don't ask me why. That's where it came from. To me, most pink sheet stocks will go out of business. Okay, I'll let you know oh. for sure. You can make a ton of money. I can lose all your money on these stocks and it's really not a good idea for as a beginner to even mess with any of them. They're too Mm -hmm. risky. They're very, usually they're very low priced and they're usually manipulated. People push them up and down and take advantage of other people buying them. They're too easily pushed up and down. The liquidity is too small. Okay. Thank you. Sai, I appreciate the call. Roland, Mountain View, how are you doing, Roland? Fine, how are you? I'm doing great, thanks for the call.
0: Oh, well, I'm interested in ETFs just like everybody else. I'm
1: Perfect, okay. Is it really tough to try to build a portfolio that's balanced out of ETFs? I don't think so, Roland. I think it's really easy these days. Why? Because if you go to that ETFconnect.com, uh-huh. they break the ETFs down by industries. And they have ETFs in every industry, every market, every country, almost every country anyways. They have ETFs by continents, like the EFA, you know, the Eastern European and Asian market. You can buy an ETF that covers the whole span.
0: Well, what about uh, their um, high beta or low
1: beta, and ah, their small okay. cap, medium? <laughs> they actually have. <laughs> they, they have do. ETFs that just do small cap or mid cap or large cap. Mid-cap growth, small-cap growth, small-cap growth. they're all segregated. Borland, if you go to that ETF connector, any one of those other options, you'll see, man, I can split these things any way I want. I can buy 10 shares here, 10 shares there, 10 shares, or 100 shares, 150 shares. I can spread it all around, and I have great diversification with not a lot of money. And uh, what's the minimum to get in? You can buy one share. Well, I mean, if you want to... Well, you say what well, the minimum you could buy one share. I wouldn't do that, but no. you could. It depends on your trading costs. Let's say your trading cost is ten dollars a trade. Well, you know, I would like to buy enough to make it. You know, I don't, so I don't have to double my money just to break even on the ETF. So uh, for me, you know, I, I think you need to have about twenty-five thousand bucks, and then you can get a very good spread, and the trading costs won't kill you. Okay. Okay. All right. Thanks a lot. For Thanks, Roland. Appreciate the call.
0: Here are the directions for reaching Steve this afternoon with your question. Just call 888 99Chart, C H A R T. Have a question about how best to get into the market, or maybe you're feeling unsure about your current investments. That's what this is all about. This is Invest Talk.
2: Hey, Steve and Justin, Damien from New York here. I just had a question for new investors for 2021. What stocks do you think? are good
3: to start off with, and what do you have on cryptocurrency starting off? Thank you.
1: For most people, I would say stay away from cryptocurrencies. No one knows where they're going to go. There's no way to evaluate it. You know, there's no way to know that, for instance, uh, uh, how much it's worth. How do you know how much a cryptocurrency worth? What do you base that on? There's nothing you can base it on. They're very new. It's just impossible. So I would stay away from cryptocurrencies uh, new technologies, as I said earlier, in another question, I think you need to look at uh, electric vehicles, uh, you got, need to look at maybe precious metals for this year, uh, maybe uh, commodities of all kinds, you know, think in those kinds of terms. Let's go to Paul in San Francisco. How you doing, Paul?
3: I'm great, Steve. My question, I'm approaching the second half of my 40s.
1: <laughs> okay.
3: And, um... I work for a private company with a 401K. Okay. So, you know, realizing that I need to kind of get off my duff and uh, really start getting serious about uh, my 401K and investing, I'm dumping a lot of money into it, you know, 20% of my paycheck.
1: Okay, good for you. You
3: Yeah. I'm not a financial manager. I do other work, you know, and I think I know what I'm investing in. My question, I guess, is should I seek out a financial advisor to kind of look over
1: what my options are in my 401K and say... You know, hey, this is good, this is not good. The answer is yes, and that financial advisor would be me and Justin. <laughs> okay. And we'll and we'll do it for free, Paul. Free. Really? Yeah. Okay. We we'll do it for a lot of the four oh one K. If you'll send me an email telling me what choices you have in your mutual funds, I'm assuming you have a limited number of choices, right? Right. Okay. Tell me what choices you have and what you invested and how much in each of those right now. You're mm-hmm. usually going to attach a statement to an email to me. Right. And then right. I will respond telling you what you should do. And if you do that every three months or so, we will help you adjust it best based on what's going on in the economy. Outstanding. That Appreciate will help it. you a lot. And just so you know that I'm I, I will I do this for free for everybody, but I do have an alternative motive. Maybe you're going to quit that company and go to another company 10 years from now and then you can roll that into an IRA and you want me to manage it because I've been helping you for 10 years. Uh See, gotcha. so, I don't want you to think I, you know, I'm just a nice guy. I am a nice guy, but that's not, uh, you know, I, I do have a, a motive down there. I don't want someone, Paul, to call me up and say, "You see, you're really doing this for your own reasons." Well, I want to help people, but yeah, I have my own reasons too.
4: Yeah, yeah. we're in business for a reason. Yeah.
3: Okay, sounds Thanks, great, Paul.
4: Steve. Hi, Jens. How's it going? My name is Raphael from Chicago. Just had a question about my Roth IRA. I'm trying to see how many stocks I should have on my portfolio. Right now, I have quite a few. I have about 20, 25. It's only about $20,000. So I've seen some kind of mild gains on some, some mild losses. But I'm just trying to find the sweet spot on how many stocks I should really have. Thanks. Bye.
1: You're right in that sweet spot. Uh, no less than 15, no more than about 30, 35. No more than 5% of your portfolio in any one stock when you buy it. We use 3%. That means 33 stocks, basically. Um, it depends on how, if you can keep track of them. So you're kind of right there in that 20 stocks. But what you got to do is make sure it's like not 10% in this stock and 1% in that stock. No, they need to be, when you buy them, you kind of want to be even, okay, equal amounts in each one and then you just rebalance as time goes on because you're going to have, it goes on because you're going to have winners and losers obviously but you rebalance every so often you're listening to invest talk everybody I'm Steve Peasley we want to answer your questions our listener line number is always ready for you 888-99 chart beginning our experience we're here to answer your questions
0: You're listening to an encore presentation of Invest Talk. Please call with your questions and comments, though, 888-99CHART, 888-99CHART, and Steve will answer them on the next Invest Talk.
1: 888-99CHART is our number, 888-992-4278. Hey, Justin, how's it going? This is Danny from Hawaii. I'm a long-time listener. I appreciate everything you guys do for
3: everyone, um, all the advice you give. I'm more of a trader than an investor, and I like to buy and sell within a couple-month period, so I'm interested to know, can you explain the process of when a news catalyst comes out or news drops on a stock? and then the stock price skyrockets. What exactly is happening right there to cause the stock price to move so fast, so high? And is there a way of knowing when that's drying up and when it's about to come back down and retrace by watching any type of indicator or volume? Or or is there something that you can tell when you you get to a top in a candle or something? I'm just wondering if you have any advice for that. That would be amazing. Thanks again for everything you guys do. Hope to hear the answer on the show. Thank you.
1: Well, if you're a trader, I would really strongly suggest you learn uh, technical analysis, which means reading a chart. And in specific to your question, I would suggest you take a look at the Fibonacci retracement numbers. Fibonacci was a mathematician, 1500 or so, and there was natural retracement of numbers up and down in certain percentages and that would be something that would help you. doesn't always come true. Charting is not a science, it's more of an art. But uh, learning charting will help you as a trader, so that's what I would suggest. 888-99-CHART, 888-992-4278, and we're going to go talk to Noel in San Francisco. How you doing, Noel? I'm doing good. I wanted to see what you thought of I-Bonds. I'm looking at a lot of different uh, investment opportunities, but I thought it'd uh, that'd be a conservative
2: spot, and I kind of expect uh, inflation to kick up its heels uh, in,
1: in the future. I don't see how it couldn't, but... I like I-Bonds, Noel, for your conservative money. I think that's a lot better place than money market. You're going to make a lot more <laughs> money there, and... Yep it would always to keep up with inflation, which is, you can't say that about a CD. Yeah, it's beautiful, I think. Yeah, I, I think it's a pretty good place to put some money that you wanna protect. You don't want to take too much risk with it. I-bonds, everybody's inflation-protected bonds are U.S. government, treasury. And what happens, they have two parts to them. One part of the, the yield you get is fixed, okay? And so they add those two together, those two parts, inflation and base. And they add those two together. And every six months, the inflation part gets reset based on the CPI, the Consumer Price Index. So if inflation goes up, your yield goes up. If inflation goes down, your yield goes down. Uh, I'll tell you this, Noel. I think inflation is going to be a problem. The only way I see it becoming a problem, really, is if jobs start to get created. So inflation is going to be kind of tame. On the other side of the coin, you've got the commodity part. And I think we're going to see inflation in commodities even, with, even without the job creation. Because the mm-hmm. demand worldwide on the commodities yes. are going to push prices up. Yes, but inflation really can't get a hold until we see some job creation. Therefore, I don't think it's going to fall at all. That inflation part of that. I right, want. I agree. I, I think it can only go up. I don't think it can fall. Okay, I, thanks. I, I, I think it's a great yeah. place, Noel. You got yeah. my permission. I think it's great. Oh, okay, thank you. Thanks, thanks, Noel.
2: Invest Talk is made possible by KPP Financial. Invest Talk hosts Steve Peasley and Justin Klein are the principals of KPP Financial, and they are independent financial advisors. This means they place their clients' interests ahead of the firm's. As part of that commitment, KPP Financial practices parallel investing, where Stephen Justin's accounts participate with client investments at equal prices and percentages. You can learn more about parallel investing and the other KPP Financial programs at investtalk.com. The phone lines are open. Steve and Justin welcome your questions. Call now, eight 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 ninety nine chart.
1: Let's go to Lloyd in San Diego. How you doing, Lloyd?
5: Pretty good. I've been thinking a lot about unrealistic expectations of yes. retirement uh, lately. Like I have one hundred and fifty thousand in my company's pension plan. Yes. And I have one hundred and thirty thousand in my four hundred one k. Now, from my understanding is if I left my company right now at the age of 50, I have to do something with that pension. I can either let them maintain it or I have to move that money somewhere. Right. But I can't touch that until I believe I'm the age of 62.
1: The smartest thing usually, uh, Lloyd, is to take it out of there, roll it over into an IRA, and then you manage or you hire somebody to manage it. Usually that's the smartest thing. Many times they'll try to talk you into an annuity and annuitize it. Right. And I never like that idea. I think the expenses are too much. Too, costs are too high. And then you're stuck. Whatever it is, it is. You don't have any freedom whatsoever. My personal <laughs> preference would be to roll it over an IRA. And that's what? It comes to about 280000 for you total? Right. What you need to do is think in these terms. 7% to 10% return in the stock market. Okay? If you want to maintain your lifestyle and not touch the principal... Figure out what 7 to 10% on 280000 is, and there's your money.
5: So that's what my stocks are doing in my 401k. That's about the average return I've been getting on a quarter on those. They've been doing pretty good.
1: Okay, that's good. If it's on a quarter bit, that's pretty good. So, I'm
5: thinking about leaving the San Diego area and moving to an area where living is a lot less.
1: Well, that's what my parents did. They went to uh, outside of Tucson. Loved it, by the way. It was desert, but I didn't like it. But they loved it. Mm-hmm. And the house value here compared to there. They had tons of extra money. Right. So then they lived off that money plus a retirement. It worked out fine for them.
5: That's not too bad to think that way then?
1: No, that's a good way to think. If you don't mind moving out of the Southern California area and buying someplace that's half the price, man, I think that's a great idea. Okay. Thanks, Lloyd. All right, thank you. Thank you. You can call right now and be part of the program. Let's hear about what your talking point is. 888 99 chart, 888 992 4278. You can get through right now.
6: Let's say you've been thinking about learning a new language. Okay, why? I mean, how would it come in handy? And where would you want to use it? redeem your 50% off now at rosettastone.com slash today
7: what does innovation sound like it sounds like the luxury of being in the moment with your customer client or patient it sounds like having the right information right when you need it It sounds like being at your best for your customers and your business. Thanks to Highland's intelligent content solutions that improve digital processes, innovators everywhere are able to do their thing better, whatever that thing is. Now, who doesn't like the sound of that? Highland. For innovators everywhere, visit highland.com. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate?
0: You're listening to an encore presentation of Invest Talk. Please call with your questions and comments, though, 888 99CHART, 888 99CHART, and Steve will answer them on the next Invest Talk. Hey, Steve and
2: Justin. I have been investing for a little bit, but most of my investing is done through ETFs, and I'm kind of wanting to move towards or, and get used to investing in individual companies. But I'm not sure how to efficiently kind of look up the information on these companies. It sounds like you guys have some sort of a program that I assume you pay for that allows you to look up, you know, the earnings per share and all that very quickly. But I was wondering if you guys would have any recommendations for maybe a free sort of program that someone that like me could use to look up this information.
6: Any help from you guys would be greatly appreciated. Thank you very much. Alright, now I think the best free one is called FinViz, F-I-N-V-I-Z.com. Uh, it's a great website where you can uh, search different companies and uh, get a lot of information, charts, et cetera. Uh, Now the information is not always perfect, so anything free, you always have to make sure you double check the data and uh, make sure you're not relying on one particular source of free information, so understand that. Uh, Yeah, we have also a a lot of paid databases that we use in order to uh, make sure our data is correct. Morningstar is another great source. Now, there's a premium version of Morningstar that we subscribe to that we think is great, but there are a lot of free tools as well on there. So either one of those is a good place to start and make sure that you try to gather a bunch of information and sources to confirm.
1: Okay. 888-99-CHARTERS, our number, 888 how about Mike and Santee?
3: Uh, I had a quick question for you about uh, stops, where to place them. And uh, yeah. what happened is I got into the market pretty heavily, and I picked a lot of uh, a lot of winners there. And so they went up a little bit. I put my stops pretty much at the support level where I bought them. That was the reason I bought them, because they were down at that point. Right. Now, they went up, and then I didn't know when to adjust or kind of where to put the stops. So I kind of just let them sit at the point that I bought them. So what happened is I went up, and then I went back down, and I got stopped. Out of pretty much everything that I bought, which I made a good profit, but then I lost it all back. So My question is: Where and when, and how often should I adjust those stops to uh, to save some of that profit?
1: Okay, we adjust our stops uh, on a daily basis, but you can't realistically do that. You cannot. If you have a job, you know you okay. got work to do. You can't sit here and spend hours, a couple hours every night, looking at adjusting your stops. You know it's just not possible. But what you need to do is at least look at them at the very minimum once a week and reset them once a week. Okay. If you see a stock, let's say you bought a stock at a great you know, support level like you say you did, Mike. Uh-huh. And you say, okay, this is about where they stopped going down. This is a really good buy point. And then it rises up. There are several rules that you can establish for yourself, and you can pick what's comfortable to you. But one of them is followed up with an 8% stop. In other words, every time it's uh, below 8%, if it's high, you get out. That's the investor's business daily rule. And that's nothing wrong with that rule. I find it kind of arbitrary because some stocks are very volatile and some stocks are not. Mm-hmm. And, and you get stopped out too quick on some. And then some others, you take a big hit because it takes a long time to get down to 8%. Yeah.
3: Uh,
1: so I adjust it per the stock. And many times it could be... You know, I like to draw trend lines. If you think the market is getting too heady, you can draw a tight trend line. It breaks the trend line, you're out. You know, so the, uh, more,
3: the more money you start to make off it, of the, the more profit you should start to tighten up your stops a little it, bit.
1: Exactly. It's rising, rising, rising. For instance, we had a stock, it doubled on us, and we tightened up our stop, and we got stopped out of, because it was down 20%. But, okay. So we had it up 100%, lost 20%, 80% was our out. We got out. So, yeah, you know, we'll take that game. Let's say you buy a support and it breaks support right away. Mm-hmm. Then you've got to get out. Yeah. Just get out. You don't worry about it. You can buy it back. Uh-huh. Every time it's a little bit different, Mike, on each stock. And I would reset it at least once a week. We'd take a look at them and say, okay. And think about how much money you want to lose of your gains. You may say, I'm just going to hold this for the long haul and not going to worry about it. That's okay, too. Long haul means years, though, not months. Yeah, definitely. Okay, so that's okay, too. So you can make different rules for each one, but you need to make the rules and adjust them on a weekly basis if you're a trader and you want to lock in profits.
2: Okay, thanks for the help. Thanks, Mike. Thanks for the call. There is good news for loyal Talk listeners, their friends, and families. Steve and Justin have recorded a special bonus podcast. This free podcast is available for download anytime. Typically, each day and night, the Invest Talk call center receives more voicemail questions than Steve and Justin can fit into a live show format. So in the bonus program, caller questions will be played back from our voice bank and answered with brief, unbiased, and helpful responses. The first segment of the Rapid Fire Hour is hosted by Justin Klein and Steve Beasley handles the second half. It's a fast-paced learning podcast for the average investor. It's free, so be sure to tell your friends. It can be downloaded now at iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, and investtalk.com. Look for Rapid Fire Hour.
3: Hey, good morning. Just wanted to say I love the show.
5: Quick question for you. Hypothetically, if I had... $2,000 and four choice ETFs to evenly break that money into which four ETFs would you choose for 2021? Thank you. Have a good one.
1: Well, I definitely would make uh, uh, part of that uh, commodities play that I think uh, commodity prices are going to go up in 2021. I think I would also put a portion in the S&P 500, a portion in the NASDAQ okay, to give you some technology exposure in the NASDAQ and overall exposure in the S&P 500 commodities and maybe a smaller portion in precious metals. That's what we'll probably do for this year. 888-99 is our number, everybody. You can reach us. We have lines open. 888-992-4278. Marie in Snow Valley. How you doing, Marie? My husband and
5: I are 88 years old. and uh-huh. My daughter is helping us decide what to do with a, an IRA. We have about $200,000 and it's was called from a bond and this needs to be invested. Okay. Are we too old to think of a balance fund or a bond fund or should we just
1: go to cash? Well, you're 88. God bless you for that. How's your health? Fine. <laughs> Are you financially set? Do you have any worries about money other than this money? We just need this money to pay insurance policies. Normally at 88 years old, I would say, don't put it in anything long term. Mm-hmm. You don't need to. Mm-hmm. And if you have your health, Marie, go take a trip around the world. I'm thinking if you're financially set, you know, you saved and worked and scrimped for this money all your life, and it's time to enjoy it. Well, I don't know if it was me, and I'm 88 years old, and I have lots of money, and this is money I just need for insurance payments, and how much is that a year, by the way? Well, the one last pays pay is $8,000. Eight? Eight. Hmm. So, at $8,000 a year, if you made absolutely nothing on this $200,000, you got 20-plus years. Mm -hmm. Of money. And God bless you, I don't think you're going to make it up to 108. No, I don't think so either. Okay. What you could do is you have one child, daughter? I have two daughters. Have you been giving them gifts of up to $10,000 a year to transfer the wealth without a tax consequence?
5: Well, our other money is all in property, and we mm-hmm. can't because of capital gains
1: yet. That's right. you got issues there. I would keep it liquid. i do a CD or treasury. i do ladder treasuries or CDs. I would not get involved with the stock market at 88. Okay. And that's just me. If you have plenty of money, sure, if it's fun and something you want to do, sure. But otherwise, I'd probably keep it very safe, Marie.
5: I just want to be sure I make that $8,000. <laughs>
1: that's right. Okay. Thank Bye. you very much for the call. John and Oceanside. How you doing, John?
5: I'm pretty good. My question is, I heard this uh, rumor. If you buy a stock that's interest and you reinvest the interest and hold on to that stock, eventually you get rich.
1: Is that true? <laughs> Well, <laughs> that's kind of a broad <laughs> statement. <laughs> when you say you're talking about dividends, right? When you buy stock yes. and it pays dividend, I'll tell uh-huh. you this: dividends make up about 30 to 40 percent of the return of the S&P 500 over the last hundred years. Dividends are very, very important. So when you reinvest them, the answer is it will help greatly get you rich. But you have to buy the right dividend-paying stocks. You can't buy a stock that goes out of business in 20 years or 10 years. Like uh,
5: ExxonMobil? Or- yeah,
1: ExxonMobil is a perfect example. It's going to last forever. You can buy a couple of drugs companies You know that pay very high dividends. You also want to buy companies that are growing, You know, growing their earnings and growing their dividends. So it's not just paying the dividends but also increasing the dividends. So, John, you can build like a little portfolio of these high-dividend-paying, growing companies... And you'll do very well over time. Thank you. Thank you for the call. appreciate it. And let's go to Mark in San Bernardino. Hi, Mark. What are the pros and cons of investing in
2: ETFs versus an index mutual fund? For instance, the SPIDERS versus your typical S&P 500 mutual fund.
1: In an index fund, remember you're paying a manager to sit on buying the stocks in an index, the S&P 500 or the Dow or the NASDAQ 100, whatever it is. In a mutual fund, you're paying a manager to sit on those. Your fee is usually much higher than the ETF, like the SPIDERS, the SPY is the S&P 500, the QQQ, is the NASDAQ 100, and the diamonds, DIA is the Dow Jones 30 the cost is much less and you can buy and sell them during the day just like a stock whereas a mutual fund you only get the price at the end of the day my personal opinion is if you're going to buy index funds you should probably just go ahead and buy the spiders or the diamonds or the Qs. if you're going to buy an index fund why not appreciate the call thank you very good call Mark thanks
0: our invest talk mission to help you make better investing decisions. To do that on your own, thumbs up or thumbs down choices based on good, solid investing principles. But we need your questions to keep us on track. 88899 99 chart or click on Contact Steve or Contact Justin on investtalk.com.
3: Hi, Steve and Justin. This is Jason from Stockton, California, and I've been investing for a time in equities and in forex, and I've started venturing into futures, but I wanted to ask you about bonds, and I'm just wondering why would somebody choose to invest in bonds, and I guess the second part of that question would be, how do you know whether you should hold the bond to maturity or whether you should sell the bond? early and why would somebody do one of those things hope to hear your answer thank you bye
6: well bonds are safer really and you're talking about forex and equities and all, those are volatile very volatile and uh most people who are investing in bonds aren't looking for volatility they just want that consistent income they don't have to want to worry about big market moves and gyrations they just want to earn their coupon. Now, if you own a bond and you're trying to think of whether you should hold it to maturity, you have to ask yourself, what is the alternative use of that cash if you do sell it, right? Uh, Can you reinvest it in a different type of bond at a higher yield or a better yield? Do you wanna take more duration risk or more credit risk potentially or less, right? What is the spread on the bond? Bonds tend to trade at pretty decent spreads depending on the the company and, and the bond issue. And so you might have to take a little bit of a bath, maybe 1% or so, uh, to get out of that particular position. Uh, so how big is that spread? Is it worth it, especially if the bond might mature in the near term? So there's a lot of factors to go, that go into deciding whether you should hold a bond or sell a bond. Uh, it's really about your overall goals with that money uh, and your overall portfolio as well.
1: Okay, remember, we love beginner questions, so we welcome your question at 888 99Chart. Now, what is the question? I love your show, new listener,
3: and new investor. Great. I had a question. I wanted to know when do you know when to sell your mutual fund?
1: Aha. Okay, you got a little pin that you can write some of this down? Yes, yes, I do. Or you can listen to the show later on the archives. That's what I was okay. <laughs> uh, One rule. One rule we like is when they change managers, that's one reason to sell. Okay. Another reason to sell is when they stop doing the things they were doing. In other words, let's say they're a small cap value fund, and the fund is not buying small cap stocks or starting to buy mid cap stocks. Why are they doing that? Watch the amount of money under management. When that changes dramatically, consider getting out.
5: Is that um, also with uh, global funds also?
1: Yes, it is. What happens, Joe, is when these mutual funds, they're successful and they have, let's say, a half a $500 million under management. And they're doing really, really well. They attract a lot of money in a short period of time. It really affects their performance going forward they can't do what they do that's why it's the best ones will close uh-huh. and not take more money i
3: see all right thank
5: you very thanks, much. thanks joe appreciate,
1: appreciate the call thank you bye-bye bye-bye how are you doing manuel
3: uh, i love you guys the show i've been listening for about three months and i learned a lot of good stuff my question for you today was the company i work for matches us in our 401k with their own stock and they're telling me that the stock's gonna split you know i know then you end up with twice as many shares but why why does it split is my question
1: Okay, good question, Manuel. I bet you there's a lot of people out there that want to know why it does that. Why does a company split? Do you know if it's going to split two for one
3: I'm not sure. Somebody, one of the other guys that's always paying attention to okay. 401k a lot more than I do tell okay. me that today.
1: Well, just to let you know that the most common split is two stocks for one, but they don't do that all the time. Sometimes it's three for two or five for three. You can do different ones. Uh-huh. But most common is two for one, so we'll try to stick with that. So what's happening is, is you had one share before at, let's say, it was $50 a share. Mm-hmm. Then you're going to have two shares. At twenty-five dollars a share. So you didn't really increase the value of your holdings at all. Splits do not increase the value of anything. They just give you more shares. Now why would they do that? One of the main reasons they do that manual is is to lower the price of the stock to make it more attractive for more people to buy. Think about this. What if the stock price was fifteen hundred dollars per share? How many people would be able to buy 100 shares or right, 50 no, shares? Not
3: too many. Yeah.
1: That's right. So they keep splitting. Microsoft did this all throughout all its history when it first started. Split two for one. So did Qualcomm. Qualcomm, which is a huge San Diego stock.
3: Actually, I, have, I owned Qualcomm before it split. So now I
1: have... You can see if it never split, the price would be so high that not yeah. too many people would buy it. The most common reason manual is that they wanted to lower the price to be more attractive to more people. On um, The second reason they do it, the second reason they do it, is to get more liquidity. In other words, if they split it two for one, they have twice as many shares out there to trade. Oh, it's okay. more liquid, more people can buy and sell. Same, it's related to the first reason, but that's the only reason why they split the shares. Oh, okay. Does that sound good? Well, that answered my question. Thank you very much. Thanks for listening, man. I appreciate the call. Now, if you have a question about a stock or an IRA, college savings plan, well, maybe buying a house, mortgages, reverse mortgages, we're here for you. 888-99-CHART, 888-992-4278.
0: You're listening to an encore presentation of Invest Talk. Please call with your questions and comments, though, 888 99CHART, 888 99CHART, and Steve will answer them on the next Invest Talk.
3: Hey, Steve, Justin. This is John here in the Pacific Northwest. Got a quick question for you. I uh, filing my taxes, I made over 75000 last year. So with the stimulus coming out, should I hold off to file my taxes so I can get some of that stimulus money? I also heard that they might be changing it to where people that made over 75000 might be getting maybe partial of the stimulus instead of zero. If you could answer a question, I'll be uh, listening to it on the podcast. Thanks.
1: Okay, I haven't. I've been trying to keep up with this changing target all the time about the stimulus package. It doesn't. It, I don't think you should postpone you filing taxes. I don't think it's going to make a big difference. I think you're going to get the money anyways. So, unless you're in a, you know, unless you're not in a big hurry, you don't need. I wait till the last minute myself because I always underpay taxes at the end of the year and don't get a refund. So, if you're going to get a refund, I would do it sooner because that's your money. If you're not, I'd wait till April 15th. We're going to go to Dennis in Richmond. Hi, Dennis. How are you doing? Thank you for,
5: for taking my call. Got a question for you. Uh, what do you know about private equity? I've got...
1: Uh... Uh, uh, they scare me. How's that? Okay. <laughs> you know, there's obvious reasons. Private equity means that someone's trying to produce money to build a company, to run a company, to manage a company, and their idea is eventually to take it public. When it does, you as a private equity investor, you're buying shares while it's private right. in the right. company. And while it's private, you know, it's, what's its value? Its value, whatever, maybe the company's worth something, maybe it's not. It's hard to know because you've got to find someone else to buy it from you, you personally. But once it goes public, you can cash in big, and that's the whole attractiveness of it. Uh-huh. So why, you have so, someone to offer so. you a private equity thing, Dennis? Uh,
5: yeah. yeah.
1: I get those all the time. Yeah. You're gonna do uh, yeah. it?
5: Well, I haven't decided yet.
1: The biggest thing on these, Dennis, is do you know the people? Do you trust the people? If you don't know them, I would walk away. If you know them very well and you know all about that business, then you have special knowledge. Then you could do it. Yeah. But they are so good. The brochures and everything look so good, and I would run the other way if these are just out of the blue and you don't. You know, someone just found you. Run. Right. Well,
3: I have to get my running shoes in. Right?
1: Okay. <laughs> I, I, I've just seen too much of this stuff go sour. That's why. Just yeah. too much. I'd say nine out of ten go bad. You lose all your money. Yep. But that yep. one tenth, that one, you could be a multimillionaire. That's the why it's, it's, it's why it's attractive sometimes.
2: Okay. I don't think my luck is that good.
1: Yeah, I'd run.
2: <laughs> okay.
1: Thanks, Dan. I appreciate the call. appreciate it. Thank okay. you. Okay. Michael, Half Moon Bay. How are you doing, Michael?
4: Okay. I don't know a whole lot about this subject. So okay. I think it's a pretty good question, though. I worked for a company. I invested in my stock. I bought it outright when I left the company. It's still a privately held company. It has not gone public. Okay. But it was just recently purchased by a, I guess the term is a blank check company that's huh. already public. Uh-huh. I don't know what that means for me and my stock. I got a, a letter saying that they were going to purchase my stock back from me, but I was kind of holding out till it goes to common stock, but I'm not sure if I'm capable. It doesn't sound like they're going to let me do that.
1: No, since it's a private company, it's not a public company. You don't have much say. Okay. Uh, they're going to buy all the stock. question in your mind is what are you going to buy it for? How much?
4: Well, they made an offer to me, but I'm like, I don't know that if I do I have an opportunity to go back and say, no, I want to sell you it for this
1: much and see uh, what they say. Uh, if your stock has a voting power, do you know if it does?
4: Voting? I don't think I have enough for a voting power now. Yeah,
1: see, most of the voting power is probably held by the insiders, the people. Exactly. Okay, And those guys are going to make the decision, you are not. Uh, you're going to have to follow on their coattails. Unfortunately, the option that would be left to you is filing suit as a, a minority shareholder. Right. You feel like you're getting a shaft, and the majority of shareholders are getting the benefits, and you're not. Right. That does happen, but it's extremely expensive, and you don't want to go that way. It's
4: a nice little chunk, and I'm happy, mm. but I had absolutely different plans for that yeah, money.
1: And so they messed it up for you.
4: Well, <laughs> I mean, at least something happened with it. It's been a while, you know what I mean? So uh, yes. I feel... I feel good about that. Now, what would you think about taking some of that money and buying it into the company that just bought?
1: If you feel that the fundamentals of the company, of the shares that you own, if you feel that's really going to benefit this new company and it's really going to accelerate this new public company's earnings, then, yeah, that's a good way to go. If it's so small, the company, that stock that you own, if it's like 5% or 10% of the company that's buying it, then it will make no difference. You have to look at the company that's buying it to make sure that they're solid. Right, right. So take a look at the relative size and what it really is going to do to their earnings. Okay. Well, good luck with it, Michael.
4: Well, thank you very much. You were very helpful. I appreciate
1: the time. Thank you for calling. Before we go, you can see more about today's topic. Go to investtalk.com. you want to contact me directly, Easy. leave a message in the machine or go to investtalk.com. I'm Money Manager Steve Peasley and I want to thank you for listening.